This episode of the Derek Diamond Experience is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. You're listening to the Nerd Cave Network. Welcome to episode 149 of the Derek Diamond Experience podcast, and today you'll be hearing my conversation with author Drew Hayes, creator of the Superpowered series, as well as his new book, Fred Four, The Fangs of Freelance, which is available now. I had a really fun time getting to know Drew, talking about where he came from, uh, what made him want to be a writer, uh, some books that we both read growing up, like the Animorph series I haven't talked about or even thought about those books in years. So hopefully you guys enjoy this conversation. Like I said, go to DrewHayesNovels.com to find out more information about all of his books. And without further ado, here is my conversation with Mr. Drew Hayes. Sitting here with my very special guest this week, author Mr. Drew Hayes. How are you today, sir? Fantastic. I have a cold beer. Uh, good uh, It doesn't get much better than that. Well, I, I have to ask, what kind are you drinking? Well, they're not paying me, so uh, I like to keep that on. The, no, I don't, I don't actually care. Uh, I was in the mood for something dark today, so I'm trying Nitro Milk Stout, America's Stout. It's not a bad beer. No, I like it. I've had it before. I was just feeling something dark today. I've been doing um, Kona Big Wave for the past week, and I wanted to change it up. I haven't had that one yet. I like their Longboard. Longboard's good. I still just, I don't know, I like Big Wave better. I don't have a reason for it. Just do. I'll have to try that at some point. I, I go through phases where I'll have, you know, a craving for a light beer and I'll drink something like a Corona light or, you know, something that's light. And then I have my my dark beer phases where I, I go through a lot of Guinness when I go through a dark beer phase. Oh, yeah. It's a fine, fine, classic dark beer. Oh, absolutely. So uh, first thing I wanted to ask you, uh, where are you from originally? Where did you grow up? Oh, uh, I'm from a small town that I'm guessing your listeners have never heard of. If you have heard of it, I'm so sorry, and I hope you get out soon. Um, it's called Nederland, Texas. It is uh, not a large town. Um, actually, I think it's slightly bigger than I build it up to be. It had like, I don't know, somewhere around 10,000 people, I think, when I graduated. But uh, regardless, small town southeast of Houston. Yes, there is a southeast of Houston. Um so you can, from about like child mid childhood through high school, that was where I spent most of my life. So you can probably count that as my grow up. Then college in Lubbock, and then Fort Worth, then Houston again, then the Gulf, then Dallas. I've been all over. Sounds like you've been just touring the Southeast. Pretty much, pretty much. Are you in Texas now? I am. I live in uh, Dallas. Okay. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, I went to. I went to Houston back in late November, and that was my first time ever going to Texas. It was a nice place from what little I was there. Houston is not the best example of Texas. It's it's fine. Like I know people, plenty of people who live there. It's just a very angry place. Uh, my working theory is no one wants to be there, and they are all just taking out their constant rage on each other. But as someone who had to grow up grow up in the circulation of it like a like an orbiting town around a planet i uh 
I might be biased. <laughs> I'll have to remember that if I go back. Houston is Rage Town. But um, yeah. w- growing up in Texas, uh, what were some of your your interests? Like, were you always into writing? Were you always into books? What were some things you were into growing up? Reading has always been a tremendous one of them. Writing is kind of a later uh, additional tack on at a further point in my life. But, I mean, from the jump, I've been a reader. I used to hide books in the garage for when my mom would make me go outside and play so that I could just go read. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Luckily, my mom doesn't listen to podcasts, so I'm pretty sure I can skate by on that one. Uh, So reading has just, from, I mean... Literally as far back as I have the ability to remember, I remember enjoying reading. Uh, so I just read a ton and a ton. Outside of that, um, I think my main other interest growing up was theater. I loved the theater department in my high school. It's where I made most of my friends. It's where I sort of, you know, high school is about kind of figuring out who you are. I sort of figured myself out a lot there. Um, I did competitive UIL one-act play and got a few awards. And I mean – it was just, it was a lot of fun and I loved it deeply. And, you know, even now there's part of me that thinks maybe I should go get involved in the local theater scene. And then I look at my schedule and I'm like, (laughs) no, Uh, theater's great, but theater demands your commitment. From what I've heard from people who do theater, it's, they say that exact same thing is that that's, that's what you do. And there's not really much time for outside stuff. That's very true. What kind of books were you into reading when you were younger? Oh, God. I mean, I realize it's the most canned answer of all time, but genuinely just all books that I can remember. Well, that's not true. All fiction books. Like, I loved fiction. I never gave a crap about the reference stuff. That's why I'm geeky, not smart. Um, But, you know, I just – I was – non-discriminating as a kid in terms of like, oh, this author's well-known or, oh, this one focuses on this. I would just walk through my library, see a title that looked good, read the back. If it sounded good, I was down. Check that bad boy out. Give it a spin. Um, So I was really all over the place in terms of what I read. Uh, In terms of favorites, I mean, that I can kind of remember. I remember being really young and liking Goosebumps for a little while just because I – I liked the serialized but non-serialized way it dealt with things, foreshadowing for my life. Um, but that was a lot of a lot of fun when I was really young. I think my the author I read the most as a child was uh, Gordon Corman, who's a Canadian author who writes for um, children, and he has some like young adult, like late teenager oriented books um, that are in the mix too. But I, I just loved his style. It just clicked with me on a very fundamental way. And it was very funny, and it, but it was very quick. And it was uh, a really good emphasis on unique characters and balancing, like, short moments of drama with a lot of levity. You know, um, because my books are not appropriate for children, because there's a lot of fucking cursing in them. <laughs> um, sometimes people will, like, you know, ask me, like, uh, do you have any recommendations if, you know, because obviously I can't share this with my kid. And I was like, you should get them a Gordon Corman book because, I mean, so much of how I learned to write is from Gordon Corman. You're going to see similarities in our style. He's better, obviously. He's been doing it a lot longer. Um, But his are child appropriate. Yeah, it's – the Goosebumps books, those were books that I think like every kid had to read at least one of them. 
you know, it was one of those things that I remember those being a huge phase uh, whenever I was younger, like going to book fairs uh, at my elementary school and having to get at least one or two Goosebumps books and going through all those. And I remember they kind of scared me a little bit, but not enough to where it would deter me. And then, you know, the, the movie came out, what was it, last year? Last year, uh, with Jack Black in it as R.L. Stein. Which was actually a lot better than I thought it was going to be. Like, it was, it, it was a, just a very fun, entertaining movie. Yeah, it was it was campy and fun, and it didn't take itself too seriously, and that was Goosebumps. I mean, yeah, I realize a lot of people didn't love it because they were expecting like some auteur film, but I feel like it very much camped on the site of what its books were about. And you know, if you went in trying to capture that feeling again, it was a good a good surrogate. Of course, then we all graduate from Goosebumps and moved up to that hard shit, Animorphs. <laughs> Oh, I remember Animorphs, yeah. I remember the, what was it, the kid turned into the hawk, and he got stuck there. Yeah, it, you... was, it was weird. It was kids' books with, like, real stakes, like, that, uh, that, that, kind of bold, honestly. I'm still amazed they got some of that through a kid's series. Yeah, and they did, I think, what was it, Nickelodeon that did the, the series that came on, like, Saturday or Sunday nights? Oh, I think I might have been slightly out of target when that finally came on. Because I remember there was a big, like, they did not strike while the iron was hot. No. No, I remember the books, too. Like, it would have the human on one side, and then it had, like, a gradual transformation into, like, the hawk or some other type of animal on the other side. And the covers looked really cool. And the the stories, you know, I, I don't remember a ton about them. But I do remember, yeah, it was very bold and you had like a big sense of urgency because, yeah, you could transform into these things, but you could only stay for a short amount of time or else hey, you're stuck there. It was very good about balancing its power and it did build real stakes because like as much as I didn't get it as a kid, I was like, why did they make the one of the dudes a hawk? I got it like when I looked back later as an adult, I'm like, oh, she was establishing in that first book that there are stakes, that things can happen, and there are lasting consequences to the choices. Um, and that did set a tone because they straight up killed characters. Like they were, there, there was a very real, yeah, like you said, a sense of urgency, and not just in the timeliness, but in the sense that like if things go sideways, that's it. Yeah, there were real consequences, and not like. Yeah, they're temporary, and then things are fixed. No, once something happens, you have to deal with it. It ha had a sense of realism to it. Uh, yeah, as much as you can with like shape shifting alien <laughs> invaders. Yeah, like, I, but I mean, yeah, I completely agree. Like they, they really did a good job installing a sense of gravity in those books. In that, you know, you, you really you took when the characters were in mortal peril, you took that seriously. You felt that because a character you liked can die, and you know it. No, oh, absolutely. Now, when was the moment that you realized or decided that, hey, writing books is what I want to do for a living? I've always liked writing. Um, I, I don't really know that I ever had a moment where I was like, I can do this for a living. You know, like most things, it's kind of a, a series of small steps. And that's good. I'm I'm plenty okay with that because I think it's important to establish to anybody out there listening, if you're waiting for some big piano falling on the head moment it's probably not going to happen 
You know, it's okay to just work your way into things step by step and be like, oh, this is fun. I'm going to try more of this. And then you just go a little more and a little more. Um, But to back up and give you a more real answer to your question as to like how those steps played out, uh, I didn't really I took I'm an English major. So I wrote some in college as much as was necessary. But writing in a collegiate environment was not really my thing like people were writing essays about Shakespeare. I was reading Dresden files in the hallway. Like I, I know I knew who I was and I knew what they were looking for. And I knew we were not going to see eye to eye on the outcomes of that. Um, so I just wrote my papers and I got through and I didn't really have much joy in writing. And my senior year, I took a writing course or a, a senior course. I'm sorry. It was a senior English course um, with a slight writing focus. And it was one of those courses that you have to have to graduate, but it doesn't have any inherent value. And we knew it and the professor knew it. And so we just all kind of treated it like the fuck off it was. And the, he would just be like, OK, um, give me five pages on this. And really, we'd be like, anything else? And he was like, no, nah, just, you know, five pages on whatever you interpret that to be. And uh, that was actually that sort of rekindled my joy because I found out that when I didn't have to like write within these narrow confines, when I could actually turn loose and have a little fun, it was a lot more enjoyable. And that turned into a hobby that stayed with me out of college. Um, I did a lot of various jobs, a comical amount. If I'm being honest, I was not a great employee anywhere. (laughs) That's not true. I had a few I was good at. Um, But One of the ones I had put me in a cubicle with a lot of downtime, and I got really into web serials. Are you familiar with uh, web serials? Mm -hmm. A little bit, yeah. Okay. Uh, Just in case for any readers out there or for any listeners out there, tell who I'm used to addressing, (laughs) (laughs) any listeners out there who aren't familiar with web serials, uh, they are basically web comics, which I think most of us have a passing familiarity with by this point, except instead of – Comic strips, they are posters from a – not posters. They are chapters from a book. So every post is you know, X number of words. If you post frequently, it might be like a page length. If you post once a week, it might be a full chapter of three to 4,000 words. Um, just like a webcomic is going to vary on style and amount of content, same with web serials. But there was a group called Digital Novelists that I uh, just got really into reading all the, the serials. And I started thinking to myself, what if I tried this? And I did. Uh, I signed up with Digital Novelists. I wrote my first book, which was a comedy uh, called No More Ramen, about a guy who wins the lottery and tries to keep it secret. I'm going to save you a Google search. It's offline now. Um, From there, I went and started my second web serial, Superpowers. And actually, year four is still running on my site to this day. And uh, the book won't be released until uh, all of the chapters have been posted. So, you know, I'm, I started as a serial. It's going to end as a web serial, but I got um, – and that was just, again, like this is all spanning through years, years of constantly writing, constantly working on these serial projects. Um, midway through, I want to say, Superpowered's Year 2, I had people requesting that I make an ebook of the first one because, you know, that book is 150,000 words at least, if I'm remembering right. So it's kind of a pain to click through online. I get that. Um, I made a ebook, put it on Amazon back in the earlier days of the, uh, the indie, the indie gold rush. 
Uh, I made my own cover. Don't do that. Don't ever do that. Uh, <laughs> unless you know for a fact you have artistic talents, just don't do that. You probably still don't do that. Um, <laughs> I put it out, and to my surprise, it started selling more than just my core readership. And you know, as it started selling more and more, I I started looking at it more and more, and um, kind of over the next few years, I sort of was able to transition the thing I really liked doing outside of work into the thing I did for work as more books came out and they accrued more income and they were finally able to take over paying the bills. That's fantastic. Like I, I love hearing stories about people who, you know, whether it's books or movies or, you know, doing like video stuff, being able to do what they want to do for a living because they just keep at it and they succeed at it. That's fantastic. Yeah, it was a, it was a great change. I, I, I like this better than the cubicle. <laughs> Uh, I I can only imagine, which since we're talking about books, um, I do have to uh, to mention this real quick uh, for you, the listeners of the Derek Diamond Experience podcast. Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30 day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Now, Audible, I've been praising this for weeks upon weeks. They have a ton of books to choose from over one hundred and eighty thousand and they have every genre for any listener, they have mysteries, uh, romance, fiction, nonfiction, autobiographies, uh, gaming books, Star Wars books, and they have some of your books as well. I believe they have every one of my currently released books, um, and they're going to have Fred Ford, The Fangs of Freelance, it, not right away. There's a, there's a whole process where it takes a little bit longer for the audiobook to come out, but they are going to have that. I think the only book of mine that they don't have an audio version of is uh, Topher Nightshade versus the Camp of the Undead. And shockingly, no one's really howling for that one, so it's probably going to slide by. Uh, if, you'll, if you'll take a little bit of advice from me, folks, if you want to get the most for your credit, uh, might I recommend Superpowered's Year One, which clocks in at 26 hours, Forging Hephaestus, which also clocks in at 26 hours, or you can, you know, go low and go for Corpies, which is 19 hours. But if you want bang for your buck on credits, <laughs> I'm your guy. <laughs> yeah, I actually just downloaded uh, Superpowered Year One right before we started. So used an Audible credit on that and very much look forward to it. So awesome. as I was saying, if you're always on the go like I am, uh, Audible is a fantastic service to be able to continue to read without having to sit down and read a book. You can listen to it while you're at work, uh, while you're in your car on a road trip. It's really accessible, and I think that's one of the many reasons why Audible is so great. So to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash nerdcave for your free audiobook. So segueing back into some of your books, what exactly is Superpowered's about? So Superpowered is about a group of um, people at a program designed to certify superheroes. So I tried to take a slightly realistic look at superheroes, not in the gritty, punchy, toothy way, although there's plenty of punchiness and I guess people have teeth. Um, but more in the sense of like, okay, if there were superpowers tomorrow, what are things that people would genuinely care about? And weirdly, one of the first things that popped to my mind was insurance. Because all of that damage causes – or all of those fighting causes a lot of damage. So when I really sat down and thought about it, 
we certify cops and firefighters. Like everybody who's in these kinds of emergency response fields has to prove they know what they're doing. So why wouldn't it be the same for people who potentially can wreak millions of dollars in property damage by stopping a bank robber? Um, and so from that idea of like, okay, they would need training, they would need approval, there would be government certification, superpowered sort of formed. And it's this program that runs parallel to college. So that's why there's four books. Each one is a year of college and a year of their training. And over it, um, they are basically being whittled down to the best of the best, proving they have the temperament, the self-control, the intelligence, the integrity to be trusted superheroes. And it kind of follows the story of five people who are making that journey. Um, in this world, there are people who can control their ability, supers, um, people who don't have abilities, humans, and then people who are born with abilities without but not control, so powers. And the core five of this are the first five powers um, who've undergone an experimental procedure to become supers. And so there's a lot of uncertainty in their lives. You know, will it last? Will people be accepting of them being able to take over? What are the bigger reaching implications this has for the world as a whole, et cetera, et cetera. Sounds really cool. And I think it's interesting that, you know, you mention insurance and all these superhero battles causing damage. So you've got to think about insurance, policemen, firefighters, because I feel like that's something that, you know, when we see like an Avengers movie or a DC movie, there's all this damage, but you never see the repercussions of it. So I think you know, dealing with that is pretty cool. It was a, uh, it was an idea. I mean, truth be told, they ha have had the damage control comics forever, but this was more of a okay. What would you like? What would an overall process be to to teach someone? Okay, don't punch them into the residential buildings. Punch them up into the sky. There's nothing to damage in the sky. <laughs> Yeah, and if you have super strength, just throw them to an open, unpopulated area yeah. <laughs> where you cause minimal damage. Uh, looking through some of your other books, and I know we'll, we'll segue into your newest book here in a second. Um, I love the cover for this, The Utterly Uninteresting and Unadventurous Tales of Fred the Vampire Accountant. <laughs> what, what was the inspiration behind that? I mean, I sort of wanted to set the stakes at the outset. Um, <clears throat> the Fred series, as I as I like to call them, every book is a paranormal comedy in five acts. Um, there are actually five novellas uh, bound together into one story. There is a central sort of uh, continuity running out them. It's not just a book of short stories. It's a book of events happening in this person's life. And I, I really wanted to make it clear from jump that if you were going into this seeking regular urban fantasy, you were going to be disappointed. You know, this is fantasy urban sets or urban satire of urban fantasy. Um, the main character is an accountant. He is not aggressive. He is not good with people. He's not very physically like intimidating in the slightest, even with vampire strength. He wears a sweater vest and khakis and looks like a nerd because he is one. And the core part of that, though, is that Fred doesn't change. Fred is always Fred. He never becomes cool. He never becomes suave. He never starts kicking ass left and right. Um, and, you know, that's going to be weird for some people. But for people who are kind of tired of the same plot in urban fantasy, it was meant to be a fun little shakeup. And the title was one way I signaled that this is going to be satirical and fun and not take itself too seriously. 
And those are really good stories to me. Those that can be fun and don't take themselves too seriously. Because I feel like with a lot of books and even with some movies, they try to take themselves too seriously and it comes off as being really bad. And I, I, I feel like we need more you know, just fun stories because we see and hear so much negative stuff that having, you know, something fun to get away from everything is really good. Well, and I liked the smaller novellas because it really allowed me to play for lower stakes. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's a, a story in one of the early books where I'll, I'll obscure as many details as I can, not to spoiler it, but spoilers, um, where they're looking for someone um, and they're just fighting all this stuff and they're thinking, oh, no, kidnapping and they're going after them and they're hitting all these obstacles and at the end of the story, it turns out they weren't kidnapped or in any danger. They just got really high and wandered off. Um, and that's really fun to do in a short story. I can play for a no-stakes ending like that, where the whole thing was just a misunderstanding. And, you know, I can get away with that. If I ended a 50,000-word book like that, people would be furious. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> so that's what I mean by lowering the stakes. Like... There are still, you know, things that happen, but on any individual story, I can go for a no-sell. I can make the whole thing have no impact, and it's okay as long as it's funny. Right. No, absolutely. Now, kind of segueing into uh, your newest book, uh, The Fangs of Freelance, what was the is the continuation of, of Fred, right? It's book number four? That is correct. Uh, so... What was your your inspiration behind that, and when will the book come out? The book comes out on uh, July 25th, 2017, which is actually exactly a week from when we're recording right now. Exactly, and it will be the, the day that this interview is released. Awesome. Well, if you are hearing this in the morning, you should come check out my Facebook page where I have a live event that I do every uh, release day. There are trivia with games and prizes. I do a live stream. I do a Q&A. And I do a shot every time one of our advanced readers or really fast readers posts a five-star review. And uh, that can get pretty funny later in the day <laughs> when all the speedy people catch up and try to murder me at once. Um, as for the title, it's uh, it was basically taken on the, the core theme of it, or I guess the core event. Um, one of the main issues within that within the book series is that um, Fred is now having to do some freelance work and I really can't go into why without spoiling a lot between, but um, in this one, he is having to learn freelancing skills outside of his comfort zone. Outside of his comfort zone is a really good line that comes up a lot with Fred. (laughs) (laughs) And just the concept of it sounds really funny. So I I look forward to, to reading it should be really fun. Um, a couple more questions. What's one piece of advice you could give to someone who wants to write books? I mean, I, I hate going to the well of the, the things you hear all the time, but I have to say them because they are the truest advice you're going to get. Read more and write more. Whatever you're doing, read more and write more. Um, you learn by reading and you gain skills and practice by writing. Beyond that, though, I would say, you know, if you want to write books, don't be afraid to be bad. And I've said this a few times, and I always have to be really careful with this. Don't write bad books, obviously, and and publish them. But understand that writing is like any skill in the world. Everybody at the gym starts at the five. 
um, you know, you're going to write bad first. It's okay. I did it. Everybody did it. People way better than me started out shitty. It's, it's part of the learning experience. So don't let the fear that you're going to be bad at it hold you back. Accept that you're going to be bad at it, but then work at getting better. I don't know why people think that writing is just this thing that will naturally flow. And if you have the gift, you have the gift. You know, no, you you work at it. You learn from it. You make mistakes. Um, write, you know, try, try a short story first. Write a short story. And even if it's bad, finish it because that's a good habit to get into. And then go back and look. And yes, it's probably terrible. But what are the parts that you like the best? Where are the bits that you think you are shining through better? Um, my first attempt at a book was not No More Ramen. I actually tried to write for myself. It was a terrible urban fantasy. It was so generic and bad. Um, but when I went back through and I and I skimmed the remains, I realized that the sections where the two main characters were just sitting there shooting the shit, talking back and forth, were kind of okay. And so I decided to focus a little bit more on the interpersonal character relations and a touch of the humor dynamic and sort of shift my focus for my next project. And I'd like to think I've tried to do that with every project I've written, successful and unsuccessful, is go back and look and say, okay, what what was really good? Um, what do what should I shift more toward? What should I lean into? Um, learn your strengths, learn your weaknesses, so you can account for them. I'm a terrible self editor. I'm horrible. I employ two editors specifically because I know I'm so bad at editing. You know that way they can catch the mistakes. If I had the time and money, I'd probably do three. But I mean. Writing and doing is how you learn. It's how you grow. And I've had so many people come up to me and talk at like cons or in emails about the book they want to write. And then when I ask, how's the writing going? It's not. And that's that's not going to get you any further. It's very good advice. Last question. Uh, do you have any social media or a website that you'd like to plug? Oh, many, 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 <laughs> many. No, I'm kidding. I'm I'm a pretty low key guy. Um, I'm at Drew Hayes Novels on Twitter. Um, I'm DrewHayesNovels.com if you want to read Superpowers or any of the many fun short stories or various things I have. There's actually tons of stuff on my site that you won't find published even. Um, also, the Authors and Dragons podcast, in which me and a bunch of authors play games badly. And the one I know I have to plug is my Facebook, because that's where you'll find the events that I literally just plugged earlier. Facebook.com slash Drew Novelist. No, I don't know why. It's not the same as the Twitter I made these years ago. Yeah, I've I've had that thought, too, with some of the stuff that I've done. So why didn't I do that the same way? Uh, oh, well. But, uh, sir, thank you very much for taking the time to do the interview, and I look forward to reading your stuff. No problem, man. Thanks for having me. My thanks again to Drew Hayes for taking the time to have that wonderful interview. Like I said at the beginning of the show, if you want to find out more information about his books, go to DrewHayesNovels.com. Next week is episode 150 of the Derek Diamond Experience, and I can think of no better way to commemorate that occasion than by returning to the roundtable. Next week, we'll be discussing Christopher Nolan films. I just saw Dunkirk. Uh, it was a very intense movie. I'm not going to give away any spoilers, but if you are a Nolan fan or just a fan of epic movies in general, definitely go see it. Next week, we'll be talking Dunkirk and other Nolan movies with special guests Adam Waldron and Joey Trincali. We'll be talking Dunkirk, Inception, the Dark Knight trilogy, 
any Nolan movies that we've seen, we're going to be talking about. So be sure to come back next week and check out that awesome episode. But until then, you can check out past episodes of this show on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and iHeartRadio. Just search for The Derek Diamond Experience. And don't forget to leave a five-star review. You can also follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter. My show page is at Podcast. My personal page is at Derek underscore Diamond. Search for The Derek Diamond Experience on Facebook and at Podcast on Instagram. And I believe that does it. So enjoy the rest of your week. Have a safe and fun weekend. Thank you for tuning in to another amazing episode of The Derek Diamond Experience. I am your host, Derek Diamond, and we'll see you guys back here next Tuesday with the Christopher Nolan Roundtable. to a Nerd Cave Network production. Are you looking for new original music? If so, you should check out my close friends, the Unicorn Wranglers. The Unicorn Wranglers are a local indie rock band based right here in Pensacola, Florida, and they are very important to this podcast. And that's because they supply the theme music that you hear at the beginning and end of each episode. And the song you heard today is D-Rock, the official theme song of the Derek Diamond Experience. You can also check out their music on Bandcamp. Just go to Bandcamp.com and search for the Unicorn Wranglers. And you can hear Murder Mystery Night and 95 Flannel for free. That's my favorite four-letter word, free. You can also follow them on social media. Just search for them on Facebook. And follow them on Twitter and Instagram at Wranglers. And finally, be sure to visit their website, UnicornWranglers.com.